what an amazing thing to sing about and reflect on and really experience, right? How God has been so faithful to us. He's perfect in all of the ways that He deals with us. He loves us. He cares about us. And uh, so today we'll be going uh, through that message. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Also, Merry Christmas. I know that I know some of you know that, I, that me and my family, we weren't here during uh, the Christmas season because we were under the weather. And uh, it was unfortunate that, you know, we, we missed being with God's people during that Christmas Eve. And, and of course, I know that, but then at the same time, we were blessed with the Christmas service online, and, and now we're here. So it's awesome to be together, um, to be reflecting on these things. Did you guys have a good Christmas? And uh, I, I trust that you had a good New Year's Eve celebration as well. People sleeping last night until maybe four in the morning, five, six, or, or ten. I don't know. Um, but in any case, it's, it's good, you know, and I, I, it's, it's amazing that uh, I think it's a gift that God gives us these sorts of events, these seasons wherein, I don't know, I feel even for me, uh, even as, I'm, as I get older, <laughs> um, I feel that these kind of events and, and seasons are it feels good. It's like there's a sense of a bliss uh, that, ha- that comes during these seasons. Um, and so there's a happiness of family and Christmas cheer and being together. Although we have to acknowledge that it's true that for some people, even though through these really high times in, in this part of the year, I know that some people still go through things that are not that great. And, and so that's just a truth and a reality. Um, but in any case, you know, I think uh, a lot of us have had this experience of, hey, you know, we've had the Christmas high, just looking forward for Christmas, and then just like that, it's like a vapor, it's done, right? And then New Year comes, and it's like, oh, yeah, everyone, and then we're back to work, right? You're back to our normal kind of life, which is good, too. It's not bad. It's not, it's not like it's a curse or anything, but it's an awesome thing that God has given us these blessings. But, you know, the truth is, yeah, life moves forward. And as life goes on, you know, I don't, uh, maybe you guys have reflected on this or thought about this. To me, it feels like life doesn't seem like it's getting better if you look around, <laughs> right? Um, of course, we are in Christ, so it's great, you know. Our, the economy of our lives are different from the economy of, of the things that are happening in the world. But, you know, in general, it seems like things are not getting better with our lives generation after the next, and things are getting worse. If you take a step back, you know, you take a time to look around and, and kind of evaluate the reality of what's going on in our society. It seems that it's probably normal to develop feelings of fear, of anxiety, and worry. Um, Every day, we're exposed to all sorts of research findings and news that demonstrate the decline of education, the decline of the economy, and the rise of expenses and tragic experiences. And it seems like it just never ends. Sometimes they don't even have to cover it. You just know bad things are happening. Um, Just looking around and evaluating the things that are happening, we can easily, probably, without thinking too much about it, would conclude that things seem like they're not going great. Now, having the privilege of working with youth and their parents, I often uh, talk with parents and I meet with parents, and a lot of them are anxious about how to raise their children in today's world. Fear, anxiety, and worry seem to be inevitable for a lot of people, and, and it's, you know, again, just as I said earlier, it seems to be, it's just like, it's like waiting for us, you know, it's just, it's just there, even after the celebrations and festivities of Christmas and the new year. 
Today, our text is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. And the title of this sermon is, Therefore, Do Not Fear, The Lord Will Provide. Now, since Michelle had already read verses 25 to 34 to, uh, to us earlier, uh, thanks, Michelle, um, I will now read with you verses 19 to 24 of chapter 6. So our text is, in, is really in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 34. But right now, I will read with you verses 19 to 24. So Matthew 6, 19 to 24. It says there, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate uh, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. May God be blessed in the reading of his holy word. Now, for context, um, the earlier chapters in Matthew, Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, which is great, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, um, it had, it had a theme, and one of the th- it had some themes, but one of the themes of the earlier chapters in Matthew is the theme of fulfillment. So fulfillment. For example, Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise of God from the Old Testament. And also, with God, our lives are fulfilled. And, and, and then now, here in Matthew chapter 6, uh, with the verses that we read, there is a theme that focuses on God as our Father. So fulfillment, and then now God as our Father. In chapter 6, Jesus instructs his disciples how to be children to God the Father. And so, and so as, a, as a father, we know this is the part of uh, the story of our lives. You know, God initiates a call. He starts it. He initiates, and then he gathers and saves for himself a people, his children. And then, as God's children, God's people are instructed by Jesus to do certain things. That is, in obedience to God and to live their lives with the mindset of kingdom living. For instance, God's people, God's children are not to be hypocrites. They are to live under the rule of a loving, fatherly king. That they would be a people in the world, but not of the world. Another example, you know, God's children must treasure, being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Um, They must not worry about some of the most basic yet uh, concrete areas of life. And as God's children living according to God's loving and fatherly rule, Jesus Jesus promises that God the Father will take care of them. So as God's children, God there's a promise for us that God will take care of us. And the theme, again, is, is God is our Father. And that's what we see in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 19 to 34. 
Now, on top of all these things, Jesus acknowledged that God's children are actually plagued with two common problems. One, you know, earlier verses in chapter 6 is about hypocrisy. And then the other is this, anxiety. God's children are not exempted from anxiety. Anxiety is an almost universal plague in the Western world. And yet, I think it's awesome that Jesus not only acknowledges this about God's people, but he shows concern and tenderness for them by the way he instructs them, by the way that he tells them the truth. Just like in those days, today Jesus wants to teach us a long-term cure for our anxieties. Now, if you look at chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, just like what Michelle read for us earlier, in verse 25 starts with, therefore, right? Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious. But that therefore is the end, you know, in light of, in conclusion, referring to what Jesus was saying back in verse 19, so earlier verses. And I think this is amazing that we get to see Jesus in this way. He's kind of like a great physician doing some sort of a diagnosis, uh, trying to point out what's wrong with people and even God's people when it comes to the sickness of anxiety. Um, Now, before we move forward, I would like to acknowledge that there is uh, actually a tremendous amount of overlap when it comes to the terms fear, anxiety, and worry. Okay, so fear, right, is uh, a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, or pain, whether the threat is real or imagined, uh, a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger. Uh, uh, Anxiety is next. Anxiety is a full of mental distress uh, or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. And then the next one is worry, defined as full of mental distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. And then, sorry, worry is next. Uh, to feel uneasy or anxious, to torment oneself with or suffer from disturbing thoughts. So there are overlaps. Uh, there's an overlap with these terms. So what is Jesus saying about us in this passage? What is Jesus saying about the kind of people that we are? Okay, so where does fear anxiety or worry come from? Well, ultimately, Jesus is saying in verses 19 to 24 that people, even believers, develop fear, anxiety, or worry because, here it is, they put their treasure in the wrong storehouse. Okay, in verses 19 to 21, Jesus talks about people being prone to heap and to to store and lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So the idea of the storehouses in the Old Testament is to store goods or gold or grain in some sort of a warehouse for future use. So that when a famine, for example, strikes the land, people are prepared to face the challenges of famine with the stuff that they have hidden away in the storehouse. So now fast forward to today, people store things in storehouses or storage spaces mostly because they have accumulated stuff and more stuff, right? Um, And now more stuff causes anxiety and more anxiety. 
Um, and so this is something actually that my wife and I have experienced. Um, last summer, by God's grace, we were able to move into a new house. It was awesome, great experience, um, a much bigger house. And, you know, I'm pretty sure most of us have done some sort of moving from one house relocation to another and all that. And you know the stress that comes with moving, right? And so for me, I was like, oh, okay, we knew it was going to be a bit challenging. We're like, okay, so I got my wife and then my daughter, three, uh, three-year-old Hayden then, and uh, some of her friends. But, you know, in the beginning, I was okay with the mess and all of the stress of moving and all that. But then after we moved, just like normal, our stuff was all over the place, right? And then, of course, we, eventually we started to tidy up and clean up, as most people would do. And so one of the things that happened to me was I started tidying up and cleaning up one room and taking out all the extra stuff from that room and putting it in another room, right? And then the next day I would say, oh, okay, you know what? I'm going to attack this room. So then I'm going to start cleaning up this room, get rid of the mess and tidy up. And what I, end up, what I ended up doing was taking out some of that stuff and putting it back in the other room. Or, you know, it's like it's just shifting. You end up shifting your stuff because you have so much, right? Um, but then, you know, we thank God is that, you know, my wife and I, when we, when we got married and our journey together as followers of Jesus, God, by his grace, had trained us to really not be attached to the things that we have. And so there was a point where, like, you know what, there's just too much stuff, man. Give it away or throw it out, you know, or donate it or something. And it was okay for us to do that. You know, that way, uh, we're thankful in that sense that God had trained us in that way. And I know that God is training you as well as God's people to live in that way, to not be so attached to your stuff. So that in that way, if God were to call us to go in that place or to go to that place to serve him, we would just be up and ready to go and, and go and follow him where he leads. Um, and so th- this happens to, to us. We just, you know, we fall into that having all of these things. But back to uh, our text in verse 19, it is important for us as God, God's people to acknowledge that anxiety can be created by the things we possess. Now, please understand, I think most of us already understand this, but it's, it's good to say that Jesus is not saying that we should completely own nothing. Um, or that we should deliberately live in an impoverished manner, or that we should discard all of our stuff. No, in fact, God blesses us with material things from time to time. Sometimes he gives us a lot of stuff, sometimes he gives us a bit. But in any case, the the things that God gives us are are things for us to appreciate and enjoy responsibly. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, but what Jesus is teaching here is that God's people should be able to identify between possessions and real treasures. We should be able to say, as God's people, that it is relatively a matter of indifference. You know, I'm okay with it. It's okay if these things are taken away from me. It's okay whether I possess things or not because my treasure is not really in my stuff. My treasure, my only hope, is Jesus himself. That should be our hearts. This is what Jesus is teaching us here. That that's where we should be as God's people. Now, have you ever experienced losing your phone? Or losing your wallet with all your credit cards in it? Right? 
I know I've met some of, you know, some, some of our church family, some of us are pretty calm, right? But then there are those as well that are like, oh my goodness, I gotta call people in. And it's all panic and chaos. And, and I, I've been there before as well. You know, when you lose these things, there's little things, there's little cards and there's little phones and they're a little part of your life. But if you lose them, it's almost like you lost your arm or something, right? It's, it's just, you gotta go find them. And, and there is that sense of reality for a lot of people. And when we do find them, oh, what a relief, right? Um, sometimes we create anxiety because we tend to store our treasures in the wrong storehouse. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. What should we do? Well, thank God for his word and his truth. We need to learn with God's help, according to God's word, to distinguish and to value possessions versus real valuable treasures. Now, there are a lot of things that we can talk about in that regard, but we'll talk about it in a little bit more. But for now, let's move on to the next point. Jesus is teaching us as well another thing. Jesus said that people, even believers, develop fear, anxiety, or worry because, here it is, they have eyes that let in only darkness. In verses 22 to 23, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, this verse, these verses, verses 22 to 23, they have a lot of implications and principles that many scholars have put forward and argued about for many years. Um, and I would enjoy tackling them, but I think it would be wise for us to tackle these principles and implications at another time, right, for now. But in the meantime, I want to focus on the clue that Jesus is giving us here. Here, Jesus is telling us that we need a healthy eye, like a healthy eye, in verses 22 to 23. Ultimately, a healthy eye is the eye that looks in the right direction. That's the point that Jesus is talking about here, right? You need to have a healthy eye that looks in the right direction, that directs you to go to the right direction. Working with, um, with youth and young adults, you know, sometimes I get to join in the discussions that they have regarding about, you know, uh, potential partners or maybe even dating, right? And, and sometimes I hear the question being asked, are you eyeing somebody right now? Right? Are you eyeing someone right now? You know, among students, you know, at schools, you know, there is this sort of discussion in your class, in your, at your school, is there someone you're eyeing right now? Right? And I think we, we have a sense of this. I see some of us are smiling. Maybe you remember back in the days. Or maybe you're experiencing that now. But in any case, you know, usually what that means is that there is someone that you're developing a liking to, perhaps. You're liking somebody, or even more, um, is there someone that you see on a normal basis that you are evaluating? Are you, you're evaluating this person that in the end, after all of your analysis and all that strategy and stuff, and you come up with a conclusion, oh yeah, this person would be perfect for me, you know? Um, and so you, you, you're, the eyeing is the evaluating of of the thing, of the partner in this instance with the youth and young adults. But in any case, in this context, 
of the healthy eye looking in the right direction, we are talking about evaluating things properly. Here's a question, are you spending your time and your life looking at and evaluating things that will bring you to the right godly direction? Are you evaluating things, like, like taking the time, focusing on the things that are eternal and lasting in value? Are you evaluating, are you, are you eyeing things, things that are treasures, treasures that last? Um, earlier, we heard uh, some mention of Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, over there in Matthew chapter 5, it talks about uh, the things that last. What are some of those things that last? Um, it talks about being humble. It talks about being a peacemaker. It talks about being uh, merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. And all these things, these are the things that it's talking about. These are the things we should be eyeing and evaluating so that it would lead us to the right godly direction. Because if you're not looking in the right direction, if you're not looking at the things that have eternal value, guess what will happen? You will end up bouncing from one thing to another to another, looking for something that will last. You will feel it. And so don't do it. That's what Jesus is telling us. Because evaluating and focusing on treasures that don't last will only result in anxiety. That's what will happen to us. Uh, Jesus knows his best. And so, and then last, the third thing here, Jesus said that people, even believers, develop fear, anxiety, or worry because, here it is, because of serving two masters. Verse 24. You know, again, as I said earlier, reading this verse, I really can't help, I can't help it, but look at Jesus as the great physician, giving us this sort of diagnosis for for the reasons of, the, of our sickness of anxiety or worry or fear. You know, if you guys just take a step back, you can see that first Jesus starts talking about things that are external, you know, your clothes, your food, and, you know, your shelter, things of those sort, things of those things. And, and then next, Jesus starts talking about something that is attached to us, our eyes. Right? He's talking about our eyes, um, something that is a part of us. And now, on the third thing, serving two masters, now Jesus is talking about the heart. And now, it's not, we're not talking about this biological anatom, uh, you know, part of your anatomy. We're talking about the heart is you, your being, your essence, your you. That's, that's your heart, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's all of you. And here, Jesus is, is pinpointing the problem why people tend to become anxious, worrisome, and fearsome because the problem is in the, it's in the heart. The problem is there. And the, the problem in the heart is this. Even people, even believers experience this problem. They struggle with this, that they are, are going in between serving two masters. And Jesus is telling us, you can't do it. You cannot serve two masters. No one, verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so what he's saying here is that we should have a single-hearted devotion to God. 
single-hearted, a, a focused heart devotion to God. Earlier it talks about the eye, a single-eyed pursuit for the things of eternity, things that are eternal. And then here it's talking about having a single-hearted devotion to God, not money and things and, and things that money can buy. So you see, between the two, God and money, one of them, now if we talk about God and money, you know, one of them was meant to be your servant, right? Really, we're supposed to use our money and things as tools to serve our purposes, or even better, to serve the purposes of God. You are free, this is actually pretty cool, you're free to have whatever, how much money you want to have. There's no limit, there's a freedom to it in a sense. You're free to have as much money as you want, or even like as much stuff that you would like, as long as those things don't get a hold of you and they become your masters. Those things are intended by God for them to be your servants, to accomplish His purposes. So when the money becomes your master, that will produce fear, anxiety, and worry in our lives. And so you're no no longer free. And gradually you will notice that you will start losing this aim to pleasing God. You start losing it gradually, eventually. So then what is the cure? How can we mortify? How can we put this to death? This ungodly emotion of fear, anxiety, or worry. Well, here's the good news. Jesus talks about our loving and heavenly Father, God the Father. So now what is Jesus saying about God in this passage in verses 25 to 34? Okay, part of what we read earlier, in verses 25 to 34, I hope you will be amazed by this truth. Okay, so this is what Jesus is saying about God. In verses 25 to 34, this is what Jesus is saying about God. Are you guys ready for this? All right. God the Father will take care of his children. And that's it. Let's go home. <laughs> that's it. That's the amazing truth. This, that's, that's awesome. We, what's, what's the solution for all of this? What's the cure for our fears, anxieties, our worries. And here Jesus is saying, okay, well, it's actually amazing, right? Jesus doesn't say, okay, now you should, have, you should not hoard all these things and you should not have all these things and you should, you should not eye all these things. And so logically you would say, okay, fine. That means do not covet, do not hoard. But then no, Jesus goes, do not be anxious, right? And then the thing is, he gives us the, the reason because God the Father takes care of his children. And that's it. God, the creator. The God whose presence is promised to us. Do you remember Christmas? Emmanuel, God with us. The God whose providence no one can thwart. His providence, his plans, nobody can can move them, nobody, nobody can switch them. This God is in control. His providence is pervasive. And now here in this passage, this is the God who has made a pledge, a pledge to provide for his children. This is the truth. It's an amazing truth. God the Father will take care of his children. Now, this is the pledge promise of God to his children. In verse 33, it says, Seek ye first 
the kingdom of God and all these things, and his righteousness, right? And all these things will be added to you. This is his promise. And how is it that God fulfills this promise? You know, we know that for all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus to the glory of God through us. Again, we talked about Christmas. Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise and all of God's promises. Everything that God said in his word are ultimately found in Christ alone. So through and in the Son of God, who came into the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, God has promised to take care of his children. He gave us no other than Jesus who in the beginning was the Word. We know this. He was the Word, and He was the Word with God, and, he was, and, and the Word was with God, and He became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us, and we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, for from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. This is it, through Christ. Not only has God given us His written Word, but He's also provided for us Jesus, the living Word, so that we may have life, not fear, not anxiety, not worry. So again, what is the long-term cure for fear, anxiety, or worry? Well, it's, it's God himself, really. And then, of course, we see all the aspects of that in the gospel and in God's word. So think about this. Consider the pledge provision of our loving Heavenly Father and his reign in verses 25 to 32. Right? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor stow away in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Let's consider the pledge provision of our lovingly, loving heavenly Father and His reign. This same God has pledged a divine provision for all our needs, for all of our spiritual needs, for all and every kind of need. Now, yes, it's true, He will provide our needs, but let me just remind you that God is not saying that we can be lazy or that we can just passively wait because he'll provide everything anyway and just hang out and wait. No, he's not saying that at all, okay? He's not telling us to dress sloppy or to not be wise or to not take responsibility or to not be concerned about things. No, because if we do those things, you know, if, if God were to tell us those things, that would negate from the other principles found in the Bible about working hard and working diligently unto the Lord. And so in all things, whether we eat or drink, do these things for the glory of God. What God is saying here is really trust God. Trust God. He will take care of you. Do not let your lack of trust in God be demonstrated in an obsession with what you will eat or with what you will drink or with what you will wear for clothing. And yes, it's true, we have material needs as well. We have spiritual needs. But thank God that in and all and every kind of need, God has pledged to provide for us. Now, here's the thing that you must understand. Okay, in verse 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You must understand this promise of God is attached to the verses before. Matthew 6.33 is attached to the verses before. So there is no way around it. There is no separation. There, is no, there are no exceptions, all right? 
Now, I know. So really, God is saying, okay, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you, right? And then it's actually attached to the verses before. And the verses before are talking about having a single-eyed pursuit of things that are eternal, of having a single-hearted devotion to God. So those things are connected. And so when you are that kind of person, when you are the boy, when you are the girl, when you are the young person, the young man, young woman, when you are the adult, the person who has this single-eyed pursuit of things that are eternal or single-hearted devotion to God, then it is guaranteed that all these things will be added to you. That's the guarantee. Now, I know that you, you might not be that person, and then sometimes you might say, oh, but Pastor Jonathan, I still experience God's blessings anyway. <laughs> I don't need to seek his kingdom. He's given me clothes. He's given me, yeah, those things happen too because of God's common grace. And so people experience out of the abundance of God's love and ab- abundance of God's grace, they experience good things in life as well, even if they're not believers. And yet, this is what Jesus is teaching those who are in him that we ought to have a single-eyed passion for things that are eternal and a single-hearted devotion to God, not money and the things that money can buy. And so, what are the things anyway? I know earlier we talked about what are some of these things. Some of these things are, you know, food, uh, shelter, right, clothing. But you know what else the Scripture talks about these things? In Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30, You guys know this verse. Romans 8, 28 to 30. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Okay, I know, a lot of big words, right? But in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 32, the next verses, it says, What then shall we say to these things? What are those things it's talking about? Okay, well, we know already we start talking about those things, shelter, food, uh, clothing, but then now here it's talking about a different set of things, things that are not just material things, but things that are spiritual needs, right? He started talking about, um, in those verses, being conformed to the image of his son, uh, being predestined, being called, being forgiven, being saved, and ha- being justified, and then being glorified, and all those things, Right, so you think about it, you think about the clothes, you think about the shelter, you think about the food, those things are all things, right? And then you, you start thinking about justification, you, you think about um, uh, sanctification, you think about being called, you think about being glorified, those are spiritual things, those are things, all right? And then it says there, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, this is the point, right? All those things are things. And yet Jesus is not a thing. Jesus is the beloved son of our God, our Father, the Holy God. And he gave us Jesus. And so if, if God gave us Jesus, if God did not spare 
his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? It's kind of like, you know, if you were to buy like a 50-carat diamond, right? Will they not also give you the paper bag to put the, the diamond in to, to walk out of the store? You know, it's, 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 it's a much lesser value. But then we have Jesus himself, right? We have Jesus himself. On top of all these things, this is the gospel. This is God's word. Are you fearful? Are you anxious? Are you worried? Is your life full of cares and concerns, right? And here, Jesus just tells us the long-term cure for this is the gospel and God's word. And so, the next slide here is, what can we do? Well, if it's true that the long-term cure for this is the gospel and God's word, then definitely in verses 33 to 34, he talks about making sure that you yield the whole of your life to God the Father. That's it. To yield the whole of your life to God the Father. May God give us strength to do that. You know, as we end here, I'll just share with you something before we end. I remember in 2021, how was your 2021? Was that an awesome year for you? How'd you feel? Right? It was just kind of like that time where in, like, uh, I guess the, the restrictions were being lifted and we we're starting to be a little bit more free to do things, uh, social distancing are still in place and all that. But in any case, I remember 2021, we were so excited for the new year and during that time, um, our, our daughter Hayden was only three years old and so 2021. It was great because in the beginning of the year, January, I was just so excited because I, I, I started with uh, going to graduate school in seminary and learning about theology and psychology and all that stuff. And, and, and then in the, um, later on in the year, we started thinking about, my wife and I started thinking about like, oh, you know, maybe we should start looking for a bigger house maybe, you know, because our family is, it feels like it's getting bigger and, and things like that. And so there were a lot of things uh, to look forward to. Um, and it was just like a, a year that seemed like we were just getting blessed, you know, one blessing after the other and all that from the beginning of 2021. But around November of 2021, this was another amazing thing. Um, some random night, my wife just opened up to me. She said, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant, right? So we're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is awesome because, wow, like, you know, another gift from God. So, you know, that God would, would help us with raising up another child and, and, and so that we would depend on him more and learn more about our faith and all that. And so that was around the end of November in 2021. And we were, like, just excited and, and you know, just over the moon, right? And, and then so what happened was every day we started praying with Hayden and then the baby in the tummy, you know, the ba- the, we would always pray together. And my wife would go to work. And then she would come, come home, and then when she comes home, Hayden welcomes her and kisses her tummy because the baby is in the tummy. And then we gave the baby a name, uh, Baby Taylor, you know. And it was just, like, amazing stuff. It was, I don't know, I don't even, I don't remember being tired. It was just, I was just happy the whole time. And then I was so happy. After two weeks, I was like, I told my staff team. Uh, they were rejoicing and celebrating with me, and it was great. And then some two weeks after, two weeks later, my wife started feeling that the baby was not there, right? And so 
uh, we went to the doctor and she took all sorts of uh, tests and all that. And, and the doctor said that the baby did not have a heartbeat, right? And so now she calls me and she tells me that this happened. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know. Um, uh, it, was, it was a hard moment. Obviously, no words could describe that kind of stuff. And, and there was a lot of heart brokenness, I guess. There was a lot of grieving, a lot of crying, and even wailing, and, and a lot of praying and talking to the Lord about God give us strength to go through all this. And yeah, it was hard. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> and you know, all I could say to my wife was, I'm sorry, this is happening to us. And then, but eventually, you know, in the midst of all the grieving and all that, eventually we started talking about God. You know, I know that it's hard that we just lost a baby. But, you know, throughout the years, even before we were married, God was so faithful to us. So we started talking in that sense. We started talking about, like, God is with us, and he was faithful to us from beginning to end, and how could he not be faithful with us today? And so many conversations like that, you know, we talk about, like, hey, look at, look at what we have. And I remember during those times, it even felt like anything that we had, any stuff that we had, like, didn't matter. It was almost like it was, everything was blurry. It didn't matter that we had a house. It didn't matter that we had a car because we just lost, we were grieving for the loss of this little one in the womb. But at some point, we started going back to the Lord, trusting the Lord, Ask him to help us with whatever emotions or ungodly emotions we might be feeling. And I remember this. One time we were driving down going to Toronto. I don't know why. I think we were, we were going to go for like a Blue Jays game or something. And we were driving down south and we were in the DVP. And you know how it's always traffic over there. So, but we were stuck in traffic and we started talking about like, hey, you remember, God has been with us this whole time. And I remember that moment. There was this exact moment where it felt like a blanket of peace and the I don't know how to describe it, but it was that kind of feeling, a blanket of joy, a blanket of security, and hope was upon us. And it was because, by God's grace, he reminded us of who he was and the gospel and the hope that we can find in Christ amidst this sort of heartbrokenness. In any case, you know, God uses these things. Um... Perhaps, you know, in his purposes, we might go through unpleasant things in life that we might not understand why, but at the same time, we know that the God that we have is one who is loving, one who is our father, and one who will, who will take care of his children, the one who will provide for his children. And so that kind of stuff reminds us that we should be the kind of people, regardless of what happens to us, regardless of the things that we have or the things that we lose, that we would be the kind of people that would live our lives as if we have received the word of God because indeed we have received the word of God. <laughs> that we would be the kind of people as if we are living in the light, not in the darkness, because indeed we are living in the marvelous light of God. That we would be the kind of people that would repent of our ungodly emotions and that we would believe in who he is. That we would be the kind of people that would just acknowledge and realize that, you know, that we are in the kind of situation in our Christian lives that we are already not yet. You know, have you guys ever heard that, that expression before? There is a real sense, there's a, it's a real thing that as Christians, already God's word says that we have been made, made perfect, right? Because of Christ, we have been, been, been made perfect in the courts of God, you know, the way God sees us. You guys are perfect and blameless and spotless 
because of Christ. And yet, even though you have been made perfect, you are still being made perfect. You're still being sanctified, being made holy, and growing in your faith. We have to acknowledge that we are rich in Christ. All the riches that God can give us because of Christ, through Christ, we actually have it. And so we should not be fearful because the Lord is here. Trusting in God, growing in the knowledge of God. These are the things that would be a center of of what we do. In any case, you know, some of the applications that I thought about um, uh, regarding mortifying and godly emotions is, you know, in those moments, have an honest evaluation of yourself through God's word if you need it. And Find somebody, be a, a, a brother or a sister in Christ, you know, uh, uh, t- for the sake of accountability. Have proper biblical thinking. Have firm trust in God, His love, and His sovereignty. Know God's word. In any moment in life, affirm God's presence. He is with us. Pray through the fear. In any case, this is our conclusion. God cares for His children. Therefore, do not fear. The Lord will provide. This year, may we go to a place, you know, with God, with our families, you know. Ask the Lord to help us be refreshed in, in basking. In basking with the highest confidence in the pledged provision of God for all of our needs because He cares for us. And that's it. Have a happy new year. (laughs) What else do we need? But God and God himself. Let's pray.